everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Taylor. And now we're talking, Darian. Hello and welcome. Today is June 8th, and today I look forward to welcoming Tier Hessert, a fellow Darian mom and founder of the Mama Collective. It's a community organization that gathers moms together in small groups to talk about stuff that really matters. Yeah, Tier is inspiring. She uh, started this business, not to mention she's a mom of four. She volunteers in town and she's doing something she absolutely loves. Yeah, it's evident every time you talk to her that she is passionate about what she does. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear the story. I know. Here we go. Tier, it's so good to see you. Thanks so much for coming. You know, I don't think I've ever really heard the story of why you started Mama Collective. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So... Yeah, and Tiara, I might jump in and say, like, when I first met you and heard about Mama Collective, I don't know if I if I bought the whole deal. I was like, a bunch of women sitting around. Is this like, you know, you know, hippies, peace love, or is this just a bunch of BS? <laughs> <laughs> so, There's so. a lot of hippies, peace love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to bring you back to the very, the very beginning, and I'm going to set the scene. So I'm standing in the middle of Washington Square Park in the city and I had just had my first son who's now seven and a half and this was about two weeks after having him so I'm postpartum I'm having baby blues I'm crying every single night when the sun goes down and I'm walking through this park and I feel like an alien I feel like a fog is just completely wrapped around me and I'm not even in reality. And it was the most familiar park to me because we lived right there. So months and months go on. Were you there as a, with your baby? I was I, I was there with my baby who I also had no, I didn't, I felt so disconnected from him. He was colicky. I was totally sleep, sleep deprived. I was one of the first of any of my friends in the city to have a baby. And I felt so, so alone, so alone. And when I back up a little bit, I think about how I thought I was so prepared to have a baby. So I was a teacher, I was an elementary school teacher. I spent so many hours babysitting. Oh, yeah. I thought I was a total pro. I thought that I would totally have us down. You know, we got like the changing table, the gear, everything. Right. You read the books? All the books, (laughs) all the birth books. And, you know, a supportive husband, supportive family, um, great friends. Um, But it was totally different. It was totally different. Now, you you were feeling like out of body, like you didn't like out of body or just looking around like, like no one gets me. I'm an alien. I felt like... I felt like just completely just disconnected from reality. Like there was me and then there was everybody else. And I felt like I was in this strange bubble where life had completely turned upside down. And that lasted for about eight months. And so it came to a point where- Eight months? Eight months. uh, My baby wasn't sleeping well. and, um, And I just had this, yeah, this almost like this veil over me. And so it came to a point where my, my friends from high school visited me and they, they waved a red flag to my husband. And it got really serious to the point where I didn't even, I didn't really even know who I was. I dropped a lot of weight. I was like losing my milk supply. I was depressed and sad and not, and and even, not even aware of my emotional state, right? So I wasn't even... I couldn't even like step out of myself to to know that I wasn't feeling good. So because was, you were just so sleep deprived, or is it because like okay, is this just like this must be what being a mom means? And I because I of, thought that it was normal to feel that way. Yeah, I thought that okay, like this is a lot. This is so hard, and I thought that was just what it was supposed to be like. And so, and then my my friends who've known me since first grade came, and. They encouraged my husband to get me some help. And so, because I didn't even know where to go. So I saw a psychiatrist the next day. It was almost like an emergency situation where I was just, I was, it was a really, really dark time. And so I went to the psychiatrist 
And he told me, you know, he goes through the, my whole kind of my whole history and he goes through my social history and he says, what did you do socially before to make you feel like you? And I said, I was always, always seeing friends, always busy, always interacting with people. As a previous teacher, I was with kids all day, with staff, with friends, going out, doing things. And he said, I want you to be as busy as you used to be before, um, you know, like right now. So just go back to how you were. And so I came back to my apartment and I sat there and I planned out my whole month-long schedule of everything I was going to do socially mommy and me classes, baby classes, going to the park, meeting people, putting myself out there in every single social situation that I could ever dream of. And I did that for a couple months and I was starting to feel better. By the way, this is like, I'm an introvert secretly. This is an introvert's nightmare. What you're talking about to me. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. This is why he's such you a trying to say you're an introvert, Liz I'm, I'm a secret introvert. Oh, for sure. Secret introvert. For sure. But like oh. you doing this, I'm like, oh my gosh, aren't you just psyched to be home alone? I felt like it was, it was the medicine that I needed to follow. And so I did it with all my heart. And yet every single gathering that I went to as in first time new mom, I felt like it was just missing the potential missing the potential okay well, i don't even know what, what do you mean so i'd go to these park group groups and you know inevitably you're with a great group of women right young professionals super educated great like the great jobs around here really yeah. interesting this was in manhattan but still wherever yeah. you go and you just Fairfield see County. all these great women right inevitably we would just end the con we would just start talking about baby gear or sleep schedules i'm just yeah. For those who can't see, Taylor just, I mean, uh, just, just shot herself with a yeah. fake, a fake gun. <laughs> I was feeling like I need to get these women together and talk about our, our identity chain. What is happening inside of us, in our brains, in our minds, in our souls, that has completely changed us as women? And we're sitting here spending hours and hours at park meetups, in people's living rooms, and I'm not getting to know these women. And so ah. even though I was meeting all these first time moms and we were going through the exact same thing, I knew we were going through the exact same thing. I felt as alone as that day that I was in Washington Square Park oh, man. standing there. And so this was at what, eight months you said? So this was about eight months. So I decided that I really wanted to get together and talk about postpartum practices because I was blown away how I had planned my wedding, you know, taken a long time to plan my wedding, just like the majority of people spend 12 to 18 months planning their weddings, you know, spending, you know, on average 20 grand for a wedding. And yet <laughs> this other life milestone comes and I didn't do anything to prepare for but the you postpartum said you time. But, but you I said read you did. Birth, I read birth books yeah, and I did. read some books. And I met with a lactation consultant, which was awesome. That got me through the like the very beginning. I had no idea what else to expect. Okay. So I put out an ad on um, Bowery Babes. It's a group in downtown Manhattan, and they have an online message board. This is still so, a current group? It's still a current group. It's a great group. So I put out an ad. Does anyone want to come to my apartment and talk about this article? And I linked the article, America's Postpartum Practices. It's a great article. Still have it in case they ever take it down. <laughs> and I said, we're going to meet from 3.30 to 5.30 and we're going to stay on topic. I'm going to facilitate it. And we're going to, it's going to be like a book club, but we're going to talk about this article and you can bring your baby and they can play in the middle and I have coffee and we can talk. Cool. Kate, I have coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I think you got, you got most of them with that. And you can bring the baby. Yes. <laughs> Roll yes. Exactly. It's a win-win. So we're sitting in my little apartment and all the women are on the periphery of the room. How many came this first? About eight women came. Okay. So on the message board, it was just like so many. I had to take just first come first. I just had to take the first eight people. There was like so many people. Oh. I was just like, yes, in totally. I need to talk about this. This is so pertinent. This is this is what I need. Did wow. you have multiple sessions? So I 
I mean, I had multiple, I just, that's where, that's where I started. Yeah, it was born. And now that's where I was born. So from that time, cool. and it was really that moment of being in that room with women that I realized that it's, it's the validation that lifts the fog. And mm. it was something that even that psychiatrist couldn't give me, that like being in a room with all these women that I had seen for hundreds of hours at mom's night outs, at dinners, at park play dates, all of a sudden in that room talking about in depth, you know, being vulnerable and talking from each other's hearts, that is where I, fu I fully connected and I didn't feel alone anymore. Now, were all these women suffering from postpartum depression? No. No. They just were looking for a connection with they another were, mom, but something serious. Yes. Yeah. yeah, something meaningful, right? And something different than a... um than a normal play date, which are great. And we need those too, of course. But I think that there's group therapy with therapists, right? And then there are play dates and there needs to be something in the middle. And so from that, that's where Mama Collective started. And I did that same topic um, for months and then I added more topics. And I was always wondering if I would run out of topics but seven and a half years later of doing these sessions, Silly rabbit. almost like <laughs> <laughs> four times, four times a week, you know, for seven and a half years, I've gone on, you know, COVID break, baby break, but there's never, there's never enough. But the top, yeah, the topics have evolved for you, right? As your children of age, yes. like new, new ages, new problems, <laughs> new, new ages, new problems. And I no. think as my kids age and, you know, I have so many moms that have middle schoolers and want topics pertinent to them. Sure. So. And you've got over 600 members locally? Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. So and you I, organize them in groups of no more than six to eight, No more correct? than six to eight. It's a sweet spot. And you do all that organizing yourself? I have a, I have a website and, I, um, and a right-hand uh, woman, Bridget Mariner, who's amazing, who helps me keep organized and do all that. Why is six to eight the sweet spot? What have you tested out there? You know, if you have more than eight, then you lose the chance in a discussion for silence. And when the air is always filled, it doesn't allow for more introverted people to step in. And it doesn't allow everyone time to sort of mull over their thoughts. So it's a really sweet spot. And in it, my group runs sort of similar to process. Like there's a very clear format, which I can explain. I've seen it on your website, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a clear format that's like gone through multiple iterations throughout the years. But I found this format to really allow for introspection, like quiet time when you journal, introspection, sharing. So we all go around and share and um, nobody talks when you share. So, which is so nice, because I think in most female conversations, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you have these like, what do they call it, like, qualifiers? Like you always are kind of- Tell me about it, Tia. There's something, <laughs> and I love that, but there's something so therapeutic to be in a group of sometimes strangers who are just listening to you. It's empowering. It's really empowering. That's you don't have cool. to respond. It's, a, it's liberating. And how do people know this is a safe space? How have you set that environment up? I think that word of mouth has really helped me with that. I think. Like if I go there and tell you, oh my God, I'm not even going to make a joke because I could be yeah. really high. But if I told you something very personal, how do I trust these you know, six other, seven other women I just met? Like They're not going to go say that I did those things to my husband and my children. They better not or they're out. <laughs> is that what you do? If people, it's like, it's an unsaid. It's a, it's a totally unsaid. Trust. I mean, no, I do. Okay, so. I'll, I'll tell you the rules that I say in the, each session. So, and I'm very serious about it. I mean, if, if I ever hear someone, you know, but I haven't because it's just a culture of it, right? If you set it up like this and, you know, everyone needs to trust each other that it just sort of naturally happens. So sure. I, the first one I say is what we say here must remain here. And it's, um, it's not that, you know, you can, you could say things maybe anon anonymously, but anything that's super private has to stay in the group and anything that's really interesting. Like I tell people feel free to go off and use it, to strike up a conversation. Mm. But, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's important. And so far it's been, it's been amazing. Like people, people have, it's, 
it's incredible what people will will share on their hearts. And the deeper you get and the more private you get, the better the groups are. They really are. And I think people feel that and they hear from their friends that it's, you know, a safe space to be in. And so the word of mouth really helps with that. You know, if like you trust that your friends are going there and feeling good. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Woodson go said this. He's like a great uh, speaker, great leader. Um, I don't know if you guys know him, but he, him. he's fantastic. And he said something, I went to hear him talk a couple months ago, and he said, like, it is our um, our faults and our falls and our injuries that bring us together. And we're willing to speak about those things um, to strangers or anyone. It doesn't matter, like, what your skin color, what your eye color, you know, what your religion, race, like, it all, um, it all is, you know, unveiled, and we see each other for our true selves and take this, this surface value judgment that we tend to give people so i think yeah i can see how people start to open up and it's empowering like i was saying yeah well i mean i know you and i here connected over Mm -hmm. you know kind of some of these topics because i remember being a new stay-at-home mom after my second was born and thinking you know i i like achieved something great that i could and i did i mean thank god my husband could afford to take care of us at home and i could be there but i was miserable like curled up in a ball crying on the floor um, and trying to, you know, kind of grow out of that and find purpose in life is something you and I have talked about a lot. And, yeah. you know, how much of your sessions are dedicated to topics like that? I mean, are other people feeling that way? People are feeling that every single day. And I see that common thread um, in a lot, in a lot of the sessions. And I think it's sort of this lifelong human desire, right, to find our purpose. And I think that when we're in a group of people, whether they're strangers or friends, that when you're able to hear other people talk, brainstorm really about what what they want their purpose to be or what they're trying to figure out or what stage they're in, that it just feel you have a sense of relief and it's also inspiring to, to, to hear that. So, um, you know, that was really a big topic Um, after, you know, during this pandemic and after the pandemic, I did a couple month long sessions of time and purpose and, uh, it's been really fascinating and I do. Okay. So I have groups in the daytimes, which brings a variety of moms, full-time working moms, stay at home moms, part-time working moms, flexible working moms. And then I have evening ones for the same. And then I have evening ones for full-time working moms. And people always ask me, what's the difference? <laughs> like, <laughs> tell me a secret. <laughs> you know, like, what are the full-time working moms talking about? And what are the stay-at-home moms talking about? It's a good question, yeah. And I'll tell you, exactly the same thing. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> exactly the same thing. I think that, I think that's, uh, from what I've seen, um, that stay-at-home moms struggle a little bit more with finding their purpose. And I think it's because of our society wrapping purpose around with with, um, working outside of the home. And I would love to see stay-at-home moms and part-time moms feeling more of a pride in the home and to think about their purpose, Um, you know, being inside, inside of the home and feeling strong and confident in that. Do you think a lot of this is is um, this area where we are? I mean, we've got like a, like a hyperactive area of very educated women here. Um, everyone, not just women, men, women, you know, all ages. Do you think that's it's it would be different if you held this? You know, I'll say St. Louis, Missouri. That's where I'm from. I don't. I mean, women there are lovely. You know, by the way, I mean wonderful mm-hmm. people. But I don't know. Maybe this is like there's all type A's here, right? And highly educated. Like, is this Fairfield County problems? I don't think it is because I have, so I have other chapters of Mama Collective in California um, in places that aren't traditionally type A places. And the moms there are going through the exact same things. I think that this is, you know, a a lot of, a lot of my topics are just universal feelings, right? And uh, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter where you are. What about the role of a psychologist in this? Like, if I was a trained psychologist, would I be looking at this outside and say, wait a minute, here's a woman talking to multiple groups of women, you know, eight women all the time, and I don't know if giving advice, or maybe they might presume giving advice or feedback, you know, is she qualified to be doing this? How, how do you, I'm sure you get this question, how do you answer that? So 
I did work with a psychologist and I collaborated with my dear friend, Dr. Christina Cohen in the city. And we ran some mama collectives together and I learned a ton from her. And she was so instrumental in helping me find my groove as a facilitator. And really what I mostly took away from it is to stop talking. So this is probably the most I've ever, like, like, you're uncomfortable (laughs) in this position, aren't you? (laughs) Yes. So, and that goes back to one of my second rules is to, or my third rule is to sit in the silence. And when there's silence in a group, that's when a lot of the magic happens. So... Tia did not turn her phone off. No, I didn't. I thought I did. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, Yeah, so I went to a group therapy um, when I was a first-time mom, and I really wanted a space where it was just mom-to-mom, where it was just peer-to-peer. And I always bring in psychologists to collaborate with, and and I love working with them. There's something different about being a mom to mom and that really lies in what I'm able to divulge. So I can help break the ice a little bit and get deeper things coming to the surface by divulging in my own personal feelings. And a lot of psychologists can't do that. Right, right, because they're not allowed to, and they're not just a superior figure over you, like advising, you're just one of, you're one of the group. Yeah, so I have a lot more freedom in that. And I also, don't have to, I'm not charging a lot so it's it's very very affordable for moms and I also have created this framework where any mom could lead a mama collective mm-hmm. wherever they live which I'm working on behind the scenes so you can take this format and pick the topic that you want that's pertinent to you and your your friends and run one yourself and you don't need to be a psychologist. So we don't, at, at Mama Collective Discussions, there's no, it's not advice giving. It's not, you know, there's there's no strategies. It's really just a space. Like I'm just holding a space for everyone to just pour in all their thoughts and discuss and keep things moving along. Feel validated. And feel, feel validated. And then I close it up. So I feel, I feel, I feel luck. I always wanted to be a psychologist, but it's actually been like a, a pretty liberating thing now that said, sometimes there are issues that come up in one of my groups that I'm ill-equipped to deal with. Right. So, oh, so what do you do in that circumstance? That's a great call. Like, so yeah, I someone says something like, for it. Yeah, what if someone hold... comes in and they say like, okay, I'm having like suicidal thoughts. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to ask if that's happened, but okay, I can completely imagine that scenario. That of, co- of course. Okay. Yeah. So it's really, it's, 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 I mean, I'm still learning, right? It's, it's every, every single day I do these sessions, I'm learning more and more. And so I have a mentor, Chris, Dr. Cohen, who I talk to regularly, um, about like when I'm running these sessions and she helps me work through these. So sometimes I have consistent groups and you know you get to know people a lot more and you know having a psychologist that i can turn to to help me throughout these sessions is incredibly valuable because yeah i'm not trained and so a lot of times i will refer people to to talk to someone professional and i and i you know i don't say that up up front in the beginning of the group because i do want people to be really open and and vulnerable um but i I have mentioned before, like I have an amazing psychologist therapist friend who you would love. Mm, she's pointing at me because I want to open it. I need serious help. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I hear. Let's talk yeah. offline about this, yeah, though. I'm <laughs> Let's not tell everybody. Going to give you her number. Okay. <laughs> Direct line. Well, you know, um, a good friend of ours in town. I'm going to say her name is a um, is a therapist. Is um, long-term therapist and she attends mama collective and says she said i'm like so what do you think of it as a therapist do you find it like it intrudes on that that line of you know where your job ends and another begins she said no it's a completely different format it's a one it's it's a it's a totally new medium for her and it's a place where i think what you're describing where she can go and be on the same page and as equals with people and feel uninhibited and 
Sounds like all these moms yes. feel like all my friends go and attend this and feel uninhibited, validated, empowered, just heard. Heard, right? And every everyone can take their hat off. Mm. Everyone can take their hat off. What so, about, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was like, what about, um, there's so many things to talk about here, but I was going to say, what about husbands? You're talking about like, you know, I mean, there's a, that's a huge part of this equation we're missing, right? So but like, you know, the voice totally unheard is our husbands during this. You know, you talked about the eight months when you're sitting there alone and like feeling out of body. I mean, I know you and your husband are super close. I can only imagine how he felt in those eight months and not being able to reach you. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever talk about Papa Collective? Do you ever talk about like <laughs> stories? <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? Uh, it's gonna be part two. <laughs> Papa Papa um, do you ever think about doing something for the men, or like you have sessions that you hold for like, you know, women has how to like better relate or be better wives? And so it's so interesting. Um, I have moms ask me all the time if I can do these for the dads. Really? And I say no way, no way. Let's but I do have to say I have so many topics re- related to to the relationship part of it. And one of the most interesting topics that I've done relating to spouses is taking care of your spouse, Mm. which is actually a great Father's Day topic. I think I'm gonna be bringing it back this month. Oh, nice. So so, there's so much out there with media about women's mental loads that we carry right? Like take your self care, like moms are martyrs, super mom, all this stuff. We're forgetting our spouses completely on that, completely forgetting them. And I always think of my little boys that one day they will have wives or husbands. And I hope that that person doesn't forget them and forget to take care of them. Yeah. And so I go through this whole thing and we talk about, I just simply ask, are you taking care? Are you taking care of your spouse? And it's incredible to see what comes out and how enlightening it is to see your spouse as like an individual who has their own, who's carrying their own weight, perhaps even a heavier weight than we see, right? Because it's really invisible. And one of the questions that I have asked is if you were to plan a half day outing for your spouse doing exactly what they love to do, what would that be? And everyone looks like dumbfounded, like, uh. Is, is Ernie's involved? Yeah. yeah it's so I think there's a way to include husbands is, you know, if just thinking outside of our, like just getting out of our heads and seeing them as who they are, who we married or who you're just with and who, for who they are. And that goes back into the home, right? So like my whole goal is just to empower and validate and just make just make women feel like they can, like their eyes have been opened. Yeah. Right? It sounds like you make us feel um, like better women that we can then go be that more supportive role back home or be the better mom or be the better. Even if it's like, I go to your mama collective, I talk shit for an hour and just get a bunch of crap out on the table. I'm like, that feels better. I'm going to go back to my husband now. I just, I just left that off his plate. Just put it on Tier's plate. (laughs) There is a very, there's a fine line between like venting and complaining and reflecting. And that's what I always try to get to is how can we be reflective and how I, I pour over my topics like what question am I going to pose for the journal time that is going to get people to dive into like the deepest part of their gut deepest part of their heart and and be reflective yeah so journaling is a part of your process yes yeah, so we all journal for about five minutes so it just means write about what you're feeling so I po yeah so I after I say my three rules I think I went I think my other one that I didn't tell you guys was share the air which is important. So when we when we launch into a discussion, then it's important for everyone to share the air and have everyone's voices kind of equally heard, but it's lively. So we just kind of jump in and out. So before so then right after I share the guidelines, then I uh then I talk about the topic and I have a journal prompt. And sometimes it's something we read, sometimes it's an article, sometimes it's a quotation, sometimes it's 
just me asking a couple questions to get people thinking. And then we journal for five minutes. And I think it's really the quietest moment of our days. And there's, you know, because I think that it's setting up a, setting up a discussion group like this. You want to make sure like some people are great just talking stream of consciousness, but some people do like really want to get their thoughts on and organized. And so it's just a nice, it's different, right. Than any, than other things we do. Talk to me about affordability. You mentioned that a little bit ago, and I think that's a huge part of your model that makes it so, um, you know, accessible, accessible, yeah, accessible, and you know, and the future, and the idea of growth, and the fact that also any mom can that kind of also circles back to the idea of any mom could kind of take this model that you are open about yes. this model, you share it. Um, You're not making any money off this, right? I'm not making any money off this. Right. I mean, I'm kind of like cutting even with coffee, snacks, you know, materials I need, things like that. Um, the time, the babysitter that I need (laughs) to like make this happen. Um, I have changed my format to be donation based. So it's pay as you wish. And I find that that's the, the best way to do it. And it's, um, it's just, I love, it's so, so important for me for it to be accessible because it's, these groups have really like they they cha- they changed my life. They brought me out of postpartum depression, like sitting in a room and hearing from other women what they were going through and how validating that was. And I just want anyone to be able to do this and to access it. You almost wherever they are. Thank you, like teary eyed. Sorry, so I like, got a little teary eyed. Yeah, it's like yeah, really it's important. really it's really it's like deep in my deep in my gut that this is how it has to be. Well, there's a couple of different things I want to go after. We've talked, you and I, about also the book, The Price of Privilege, mm-hmm. um, and the you know fascinating discovery that people living in affluent areas are suffering from depression. Is, is it specifically about children, or is yeah, it it's, everyone? It's everyone. <laughs> yep. Suffering from depression and anxiety. Depression, loneliness, and anxiety. Yeah, at shockingly high levels. Um, similar to those you would expect to see in really extremely low poverty areas, right? So, or I'm sorry, high poverty areas. Um, you know, are you seeing that? So I have so many moms that are happy, healthy, mentally stable, and want to connect in these deep and meaningful ways, like myself. And I do have some moms that are not feeling good, right? And I think that this is the, the depression and loneliness and especially anxiety in this area is huge. And I really want to focus on anxiety because it's something that I that I see all the time and I think that it's this fact this this product of putting way too much on our plates and feeling like <laughs> feeling like we need to be busy. And what is, I mean, I hate to ask a silly question. Like I know what anxiety is in the dictionary, but like, what does it look like for a mom? So it's different than stress. And this is where I'd be like, I'm going to call into a psychologist. This is my lifeline. Like this is so anxiety. That's cool to hear. Okay. Yeah. So anxiety is just, it's always with you. So even if, even if you like, you know, figured out the situation that was making you anxious, it's still there. It's, it's just this underlying feeling of feeling anxious that is manifesting in your body in different ways. And that's different than like a normal, it's different than a normal stress response where you're like kind of getting excited and you're normally stressed. And then after the event that goes away, right? That washes away. Anxiety is with you. And it, it's, it's a, it's a problem in these, in these areas where everyone feels I mean, you think about Darianne, right? Like these houses look amazing. Like how how anxiety provoking to like keep up this like insanely beautiful home and manicured lawn, and, and your kids in sports programs, and your kids reading well, and you're volunteering on all these boards, and you're also running a business, and you you know you have to use your your Ivy League degree. Like there is so much pressure. 
and to add the social media too, where everyone looks like they're having the best time and I'm always looking so right. good. Yes. It's like, and spreading yourself thin, like going to all the social event. It's a very social town, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that it's, um, so you see this a lot. I see it a lot. I see it a lot, but I, yeah. But your hometown, California, it's very different than here. It seems like a beachy surf town, like, you know, more just laid back, I guess. Maybe it's that's just definitely a state. way more laid back. But and do, do you see the same issues that we're having here in Fairfield County of like women feeling? I don't think it's as, it's as much. I think that Fairfield County, I think it's from, I think it's from the city and the, and um, I think ambition has a lot to do with it too, right? There are a lot of ambitious women out here. Mm. And so when you're a stay at home mom with a great college degree and many years of climbing the career ladder under your belt, and then all of a sudden you're staying at home or you're working part time or you're working full time and you want to lean out. Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile that? Yeah. Yeah. Those right? are two. I mean, I, I have to think two very different things equally as difficult. Um, they just heard something really interesting yesterday. A friend shared with me a podcast and I feel badly. I can't cite the name of the person who was hosting, but talking about the balance between creation and consumption mm. and how that can trigger depression. Um, if you are constantly consuming, whether it's social media or whatever, um, versus creating, you know, that if, mm-hmm. it, if that balance gets out of whack, that mm. it can really harm your psyche. And I thought that was fascinating. Like, I love that. I mean, it, I feel better doing this podcast, right? Like creating something. Um, I will say it, it's been great for me. Like I, I want to dig into that a little bit. I don't know if you've heard anything mm-hmm. about that or if you have any thoughts I love on that. It. You know, I actually, I always think of um, Erica with Make Modern. Mm. And I wanna, yes, totally. that's one of the girls I want to have on here. You got to have her, yeah. She's tremendous. So there's something that we've, that we've lost in our culture of, of like making things with our hands and that it gives us so much fulfillment. And it go it goes to creating. Like when you are putting things out into the world that you care about and you're and you're building something, you're not just building it for yourself, you're building it for your community and you're making ties and you're making connections. And that's making you feel and have a sense of belonging. It's so critical. Your dad was um was a craftsman. Yeah, he was a, he's a woodworker. He was a woodworker. Yeah. And what did your mom do? And my mom was an arts administrator Fantastic. at her elementary school. So you have an appreciation for working with your hands more than you, you talk about, as you and your husband Bill talk about the garage culture that Darian lacks, right? Yeah. Talk about that. Garage <laughs> culture? Garage talk culture. to Darian about this. Here I love go. that. So my husband and I, my husband's always tinkering in his garage. And if anyone comes down <laughs> to our street, they'll see him in there. And there we, we we just notice that there's not a, there's not a lot of tinkering tinkering here in people's garages and whenever we pull up to anyone's garage who has like a whole setup and is working or building and making something we have to it's like a lemonade stand like you have to stop <laughs> and ask that guy or girl what they're doing and what are they making and i don't know what it i don't know what it i mean maybe it's just that's Behind so closed doors, I'm sure there are incredible that. art studio, and I know there are art studios here that are like behind hidden doors and like yeah, absolutely, right? yeah. Um, but it's just but a, you're right about that. Yeah, there's just there's something so special about making things. And your point too, like um, we talked about once a, once a, the other day, is that men around here don't have a ton of power tools. Like in the day, maybe that's just like as we're getting older, like, or maybe it's just like the um, the Fairfield County. Like you don't see a lot of men out there with their yeah. chainsaws. Like I'm gonna go, yeah, that storm came and everyone's sitting around waiting for Eversource to come through. Like when yes. are they gonna cut my tree? It's like, where are all the men uh, getting out with your uh, chainsaws and your axes and chopping that thing down? I mean, when you're working 60 hours, <laughs> 60 I'm hours sure Jim in the week. did some of that on his street. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right, right. When you're working, yeah, when you're working. <laughs> Commuting and working 60 right. hours a week, like the last thing you want to do is take up hours old. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be kind of like, I don't know. Like, Cathartic, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I do like not to go, like, just to wrap back up, I do love your idea of affordability with this and how you you are allowing so many different people to access Mama Collective. Um, you know, I think you're... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, there's already a big barrier to coming to a mama collective, right? Like you, if, especially if you don't know anybody who's going to be at that session, you're walking in as a stranger going to meet other strangers or possibly maybe some people, you know, but 
it's, it can, you know, people can get nervous. And so when there's already that barrier there, then it's just, it's, it's so important to me to just make it so accessible and it opens the floodgates, right? Like anyone can come and it's incredible to see. So I might have like, you know, an artist sitting next to a full-time banker and I might have someone living in an apartment and someone living on like an $8 million house. And they don't talk about that, but they're sitting next to each other and they're feeling exactly the same way about things. That's really nice. And it evens the playing field just as like motherhood should and does. Um, If I didn't know you, I wouldn't know about Mama Collective. How do you spread the word? So, you know what? It's funny. So I have, I have an Instagram and I'm going to be honest. I wish that I could go back in time and never, and have never gotten on Instagram. Woohoo! <laughs> Take that. Pull I that wish that out. I got off. I <laughs> wish I never started on it because I'm going to tell you the power of word of mouth is, is beyond. And it has created this almost like trust circles right? Like when you find out from a friend and you can get onto my newsletter or get, you know, get onto my email, then you, then it it just, it, it creates and everyone who's sitting, who's sitting there at the discussion knows that they're there through a friend. And, and then you know that you're sitting next to a friend, a friend, and you can like go off and develop those friendships later on versus a ton of strangers from like all over and there's something about being really hyper local that is so special and I really feel like we all need to focus on especially now with social media and like being able to zoom with anybody or talk to anybody around the world our friendships and our relationships that are hyper local are so important to our life satisfaction. I mean, there's a Harvard launched the longest longitudinal study studied on this, that the number one thing for life satisfaction is relationships, not job, not money, relationships. And if you focus more on the ones that you see around town and those close almost everyday friends, then you're just going to be a happier person. So I think the word of mouth has really helped in terms of um, that hyper-localness, but the Instagram has been amazing for getting people like all over and people who need that, need that group, but don't necessarily like aren't living in Darien or waiting super close by and helping me expand it. Yeah. Uh, One of the great things about this community is there's so many opportunities to get involved. I mean, everyone says that. We've talked about with many guests already about this. You are, um, like many moms in your story, kind of coming here, you know, typical in the sense that you came from New York City and moved to Darien, and a lot of moms do that, but um, you're different in that you did raise your hand. I mean, a lot of people raise their hand, but I think, like you said earlier, a lot of people are don't really know how to raise their hand or how to get involved, and you did. Why did you do it? What are you doing that, you know, in our community other than Mama Collective? So I was really, I was really thinking about how, if I am going to volunteer, I want it to be something near and dear to my heart and I don't want to get burnt out and I want the purpose of it to be of a topic that's really, really interesting to me. And I've seen a lot of people volunteer and didn't feel like there was a connection to the things that they were doing to what the actual purpose was. And that was bothersome to me. And I feel like our time is so, so precious. And if you are going to raise your hand and step up and try to make a difference, then it's got to be really interesting to you. And it's got to be fun and, uh, you know, something where you can really learn about and um, contribute to. So I heard that there was a spot on the Parks and Rec Commission. And I've been for a really long time now really fascinated with placemaking and I read all about it. Explain what placemaking is. So placemaking is really creating, creating a place where people can gather and it's really putting the emphasis on pedestrians and, um, peop- and places that are uh, making people happier, right? So you kind of think of uh, Bryant Park, like all these gathering places, right? So Bryant Park used to be this, you know, 
drug dealers and it used to be dark in the 80s and they turned it around with project for public spaces which is an organization in new york city that's incredible and anyway there's like usually 10 fun things that you can do in a place to make successful to make it successful right so there's all like multiple ages like not even things to do like bistro chairs so you can have a seat um, mm-hmm. a public bathroom that's clean so you can go to the bathroom like v- basic but Lights. they, they Lights make people go there Yeah. right so that is what's fun and that's what's a gem of a town and so being on Parks and Rec and I love the woods too and I love nature and I love forest bathing and I just I love all of that and forest stuff. bathing just like meditating in the woods <laughs> 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 that's my hippie piece love, yeah, yeah, I love cut it. from a different cloth yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Long story short, Parks and Rec was a very, you know, it just kind of blended this like placemaking with my love for the for the woods and nature and also creating these really fun gathering spots in our town's gems. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so you found the opportunity to raise your hand. I mean, you're lucky that you found something that like inter- like that speaks to your... You have to find for, you know, I just, I, this kind of goes back with finding your purpose, right? Because... I think a lot of women in these in these areas think that they have to volunteer. Think that they have because maybe they have the time or maybe they have the resources that, that they should do that. There's guilt about it. Mm-hmm. You don't. No one has to do that. And so to be able to step back and think very thoughtfully about how can I use my own skills and my resources and who do I want to spend my time with doing that? And what type of difference, one, do I have the capacity for? And, and two, is just going to keep going for many years versus like just throwing an event for one time shot. And maybe that is, your, that is what your capacity is at that time. But right. in thinking more long term, you know, to make it sustainable. Yeah. So civic involvement has like, you know, dropped drastically from the 50s. Absolutely, and yeah. It's one thing that I that is amazing about Darianne is how involved people are, but I think it does come at a price. And so finding that that link with a purpose is is key. I was going to ask an uncomfortable question. Um, sure. Yes, step up to the plate for once. This it's, is good. It's June for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about gay dads? I actually thought about that. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. About so like supporting them with with um. Are they welcome at Mama Collective? Well, it's not just female. I've never had a gay dad before. I would warmly welcome anybody. Okay. Um, I would love that. I would, I would love if anybody could come, you know? And I've thought about even making it just like the collective. Yeah, like parent collective. Parent or collective, yeah. Or having ones, yeah, just like there is a parent, there is the parent collective in Westport. Oh, That's great. And a wonderful resource. Is it a similar organization? She focuses on the postpartum time and has nurses that lead groups and like childbirth preparation. Yeah, I was wondering now with, you know, you're going on, you said seven, seven years, seven and a half? Seven and a half years. I mean, how, you know, the span of issues has to be huge. Like, do you have, you know, kids or parents talking about kids drinking and, you know, substance abuse and stuff like that already or college or? No, so I am working on expanding it to moms with high schoolers and middle schoolers. And I think that's going to be pretty heavy, right? Big Mm -hmm. kids, big problems. Absolutely. A lot of young moms, especially with social media, are caught up in this echo chamber of just talking to moms that are in the same stage of life as them. And it's a big problem that we are so disconnected from the wisdom and insights of moms that have been there for us. So that's one thing that I've been wanting to work on and collaborate with and do is more of these, you know, multi-generational intermixing discussions. Yeah, there's so much we can learn from each other. I'll never forget in the early years going to parties and seeking out parents of older kids to ask them like, how do you get through the really? sleep training how do you how do you take the binky away yeah like, yeah please it was pretty embarrassing but that was yeah that's what i want to talk about was this before or after you were curled up on in a ball on the floor uh i think i was still working so that was oh that's good yeah it was before 
Yeah. So you, you like lost yourself when you stopped working, right? That was mm-hmm. I feel like, that's the huge change for a lot of moms. Like when they all of a sudden give up and they think, okay, this is going to be glorious. I'm going to be home with my kid and it's going to be full time, but it's not the same. Yeah. What I mean, was the gratification? Your identity completely changes. Yeah. I mean, it changes when you have a kid, but then when you also lose your job, I mean, lose, give up, whatever, for whatever reason, you're not working anymore. Um, then you're like, wow, I went from being whoever I was as a teenager and a young adult to then a professional. And now I'm something completely different that I don't recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and it's, it's still, still a struggle, right? Like it's still something I think about a lot, you know, where am I going? What am I doing? What am I, what am I creating? What difference am I making in this world? And I feel it's even worse because I feel like I should be at peace with the answer being raising my four kids. Right, like that's why I'm at home. Why am I not fulfilled in that? Why is that mm-hmm. not enough of a purpose? Like, the guilt that comes with that is huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I love them with everything I have, but you know, I just feel like I got to do something else. Yeah, and I think when you get to the place where you really own it and you feel a sense of pride, and that guilt can wash away, that's when you know. That's when you know you found your purpose. Do you think Mama Collective is your purpose? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it brings, it brings me so much fulfillment that I can't... I, this is also why it's so affordable for people because I can't possibly put a price on it. It gives me so much back that it's just like... I, I, just, I just feel this, this deep sense of fulfillment running these groups. And it just brings me so much joy. Well, that's amazing. That's I mean, awesome. seriously, like that is, uh, that's beautiful. And that's why you're here. Like, thank you for paying it. Tell her, wrap that up on that note. Don't say anything else. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> thank you for coming to Darianne and bringing this with you and sharing it with us and helping Welcome. so many people. I know. And hearing cool. us. I feel validated and heard all of a sudden. I'm so glad. I can't wait to have you guys. All right. We will definitely have to come check out a session. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm the right. follow up here, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for doing this podcast. It's been incredible to hear about all the people in this town who make Darien what it is. It's a really, really special town, and I feel so lucky to be here. I agree. Feel the same. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome.